Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I'm excited to get to today's guest, but before I do, I just want to give a shout out to Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our daily online support group. It's an amazing resource. There are multiple sessions a day in multiple time zones, so you never have to make an appointment, you never have to leave the house, you never have to put makeup on, and anytime you need support, you can jump on and be with a network of supportive women. So if you have not seen the schedule for the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, go to btr.org, click on services, and then click on daily support group. Find your time zone or the time zone that's closest to yours, and you can see how how many sessions are available? We would love to see you in a session today. All right, now on to our guest today. She is the creator of the Instagram account Honor Code Stories, and I actually interviewed her when her Instagram account was blowing up over the summer of. 2019 and after everything blew up there were some protests at BYU and there were some changes made. I have reached out to her to see if the changes that were made are working and she said that although there have been some changes that they still have a long way to go. So she expressed gratitude for the changes that have taken place and hope that the dialogue continues. If you know how things have improved or gotten worse or whatever, will you please go to this episode on our website, go to btr.org, go to education, and then podcast with transcriptions. Find this episode and please will you comment there and let me know if things have improved. The reason I'm actually airing this is not necessarily to specifically look at BYU and the problems that they've had there with honor code related to victims of abuse or victims of sexual assault, but it's to highlight this misogynistic problem that all of society has where victims are blamed and victims are not protected. So this is just one example of many examples that many of you have told me from many different colleges, from many different types of churches, from a friend of mine who is Jewish to another friend of mine who is Catholic. So this is not something that only members of my church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, struggle with. This happens across every religion, every college, every workplace. We see themes of this type of misogyny and abuse being misunderstood all over. So without further ado, here's the episode that I recorded back in the summer when things were blowing up with Honor Code Stories. I hope it does highlight why abuse is so complex and the fact that so many people lack education about abuse and so they make decisions that make it worse instead of stopping it. I have the creator of the Honor Code Stories Instagram account. She is a 2018 graduate from Brigham Young University. She was called into the Honor Code office during both her freshman year of college and her senior year. Each experience left a scarring impression on her and left her feeling totally alone. After receiving her diploma, she felt that she was in a safe position to turn to the internet and share her Honor Code office experience. In just two weeks, the account went from 50 followers to close to 38,000 followers, and over 1,000 students and alumni have reached out to share their hurtful stories with her and her team. So welcome, friend. Hi, thank you. 
before we start, I wanted to share just a tiny experience. So I received my associate degree from BYUI back when it was called Rick's a million years ago. And the honor code was different back then because there was no internet. So rules regarding the internet didn't apply because it didn't exist at that time. Or if it did, it was only at NASA or whatever. And I loved the honor code. It made me feel safe. For example, like I I felt so safe that my roommates were not allowed to have men in our apartment after 10. Is that what it is? I can't even remember. I think they bumped it up to midnight. Awesome. So back then it was 10, maybe-ish. I don't remember. But I loved the honor code and I really appreciated it. It helped keep me safe. So starting with that and knowing that I don't have any idea what the honor code even entails in 2019, because when I went, it was 1995, (laughs) super long time ago. I just wanted to start with that and let people know who are listening that this is not an anti-honor code discussion. This will be a discussion about how the honor code is being implemented and perhaps in many ways how it's harming victims of abuse or harming people. All right, so let's jump into this. Friend, what led you to start the Honor Code Stories account? I had, like you mentioned, two run-ins with the Honor Code office, one my freshman year and one my senior year. And both times I was just left feeling very alone, left feeling like I had done something horrible. And I felt the same way as you. I chose to come to BYU because there were different standards in other universities. And I knew I was signing an honor code and I was ready to sign the honor code. And I wanted to be in a safer environment, but I didn't realize that that meant you could be called into that office for anything and be emotionally abused by that office. And after feeling like that freshman year and keeping my mouth shut because I was a freshman and I was very embarrassed, felt totally ashamed, alone. I had just gotten out to BYU and was absolutely not about to speak out against anything. So got put on probation for a year, kept quiet. And then when they called me in again at the end of my senior year to put me back on probation, I felt like I was in a different place. As a senior, I felt like it was my responsibility to speak out against what was going on. I had to wait until I got my diploma. So I got my diploma in the fall of 2018 and then started this account in January. And initially I started just because I wanted to see if there was anyone else out there who had felt the same way that I did. I knew I had a few close friends and a few close family that had been through the honor code office and had been treated just so poorly and had really been hurt by that office. So I gathered all of our stories together, started this account and thought, you know what, even if only five students run into this account, you know, that's five extra students who are able to realize that they're not alone Um, and that whatever happened to them in that office, they're not the only ones that are being victimized by that office. So really it was just kind of like a support system and I didn't know if it would gain any traction, but like I said, even if five people could see it and feel like they weren't alone, then that would have been good enough for me. I think there's validation also in being able to share your story, right? Being able to say, this is what happened. And they may or may not agree with you, but just at least you're able to speak and be heard. Yeah. And I think that that's so important. And I know that you're doing the same thing where just allowing people to have a platform to share their stories is healing for everyone. You know, it brings light to situations that people might have not have been aware about, but also for 
the individual who had to go through that experience, it's so healing to be able to tell your story. There's something about being anonymous. You know, you still feel like you're safe, but I totally agree with that. That just being able to tell other people what happened to you and have other people say, I am so sorry. I had no idea. I'm here for you. I think that it really, really is very healing. The first time you were called into the honor code office, a perpetrator that you had a restraining order against was the one that turned you into the honor code office. And the second time it was an ex-boyfriend. So can you tell me how that felt? Yeah, it was pretty hurtful. First time that I got called in and had been told that I was called in by a man from my past who had really hurt me. It was really hurtful. And to sit on my counselor's couch and to tell her who this man is, how he made me feel and how I was scared of him and really just wanted to put everything that had happened in my past. And, you know, I had moved 2000 miles away and started a school and this was years behind me. And I was terrified. And I told her all of this. And I sat on her couch crying and said, please take my side. Please have my back. Here's the man that turned me in. And here's how he's affected my life for years now. And I really need you to have my back. I don't feel like what I'm being called in for is justified for being called in in the first place. But especially now that I'm sitting here telling you who it was that reported me, I really need your protection. And she responded and said, it didn't matter how I got caught. What mattered was that the Holy Spirit wanted me to get caught. And as a freshman, you're young and I just got out to BYU and I was already terrified to be in there and already felt from the moment I walked in that they weren't on my side and they were sitting on the other side of the table, you know, figuratively and literally. And it was pretty discouraging. You know, I was... 18, 19 years old, sitting across from the stranger that I didn't know, asking for help, asking to please be protected. And she told me that it didn't matter. And that just felt sick. It really felt sick. And I just didn't understand why my school wouldn't have my back, especially as I told them what had happened in the past. And then the second time with the ex-boyfriend, it was frustrating because I told her, look, I have not talked to this kid in over a year. I mean, it's been months and months and months since we even had communication. I'm so sorry for what happened. I've already dealt with it with my bishop. I don't understand why he can come in and jeopardize my future and my education and my diploma. I really felt like she took his side and told me, well, he's the one that came in and he came in on his own goodwill and you didn't. And it was frustrating too because he was elders quorum president at the time. Which, by the way, for our listeners who are not members of the church, that is a calling within the church that puts them in charge of the men's organization. And she brought that up and wanted to remind me of his position in the church. And she told me that the spirit wasn't in my home. And so it was harder for both parties to keep the commandments. So I was being turned in by an ex-boyfriend, which was already frustrating. But to have his calling thrown in my face, it was pretty hurtful. Also saying you both participated in this, right? But for some reason, he's the better person. And you're a worse person, which is not the case. Right. But that's definitely how I felt. I mean, she's accusing me, asking him if I am going to church and what my calling is and what my relationship is like with God. But she wanted to remind me of his position in church and then put me in my place. And just for all of those reasons, it just was so hurtful. Let's talk about what themes you have noticed with all the thousand stories that you have read. I noticed a lot of people in the first place who just 
don't even want to go talk to anyone about what happened, which is really scary. Another theme is that when they go into that office, they feel like it is their fault. I have had so many people say, my counselor told me that this is because I did this. This is because I wore this. I said this. So an example in my day, (laughs) when it was 10 p.m., would be, it's partially your fault that you were raped because you let him stay in your apartment longer than 10 p.m., right? That didn't happen to me, but I'm just saying that would be an example. There could have been sexual coercion going on, and getting him out of your apartment might have been pretty difficult. There's all these other elements with a perpetrator-victim situation that people don't understand. And you should not be punished for being a victim. In October 2016, they did try and separate the Title IX office and the Honor Code office to try and keep victims victims and not be pulled to the ground for what So that has been three years since that policy change. With the stories that have come out, have a lot of them been pre-2016 or have a lot of them been since? So everything besides a sexual assault have for the most part, been within the last year or two. And then the sexual assault, a lot of students have sent in and said 2014 and 2015. And I've had to say, so sorry for what happened. And there's nothing that I could say that would make this any better. But unfortunately, we're looking for stories after 2016, because those are when BYU claims that the office has changed. People are still not reporting because they're still afraid that when they go in there, somehow to get looped into the honor code office. And in a lot of cases, it still has. It's fine that BYU says that their policy has changed, but it's kind of the same thing with the Q&A that the new honor code office director, Kevin Utt, released. Here's our policy. I don't know why people are saying that this is going on because here is our policy, but unfortunately, the policy is not what's being practiced. Mm-hmm. We see that with bishops too, right? The policy is we have no tolerance for abuse in the church. And yet victims go in and say, my husband is using pornography. He is lying to me. He's having sex with other women, you know, whatever it is. It's in the proclamation to the family. People who engage in infidelity and abuse will be held accountable. And instead, a bishop might say, well, what are you doing wrong? How could you help the situation? And focus more on her rather than saying, really? I might not be able to stop him from doing these things, but if I'm his bishop, I'm going to hold him accountable in these ways rather than try to throw it back in the victim's face. Have you heard of any honor code stories where someone went in and they said, hey, this is what happened. Somebody sexually assaulted me, for example, or I feel unsafe because of the situation where the victim has actually felt safe, that they had a good experience going to the honor code office. I'm not going to say BYU doesn't expel all of the rapists because they do. I do have stories where women went in and said, here's who it is. Here's what he's done. And BYU has expelled them. Someone that I'm very close to has a story very similar to this. And even though they expelled the man, she felt like they were doing that because, okay, we have this rapist. Let's get him off campus. And that's it. You know, let's be quiet about it. On to the next case. They never reached out to make sure she was okay. She never heard from the honor code office again. And that's another issue too. So if you are a woman and finally do have the courage to go tell BYU what's going on, and let's say best case scenario, they do kick this student out of school. I can't speak for the whole school in general, but a lot of these students are still saying they're not there for me. 
They never reached back out to me. They never asked if I was okay. They never set me up with XYZ. I know that there are a lot of really great counselors in the Title IX office. And so students do have a few resources, but for the most part, they just don't feel like the university in general has their back with this. So from your own experience and from reading all these stories that you've received, what would you want current students who are sexual assault victims to hear? I would first want them to know that they are not alone. I don't know how comforting that can be for everyone, but I know at least for the people that I've talked with, just hearing that this isn't just happening to them and there are other women out there who are feeling this way too and people that you can turn to and trust and share your story with is really important. And also, we really, really do not want these stories to discourage students from turning in these kind of cases. BYU does have a victim advocate that does a really good job from what I've been told at protecting students, but there are so many places off campus that you can go to. I just want every sexual assault victim to know that it is not your fault and that every time they speak up for what has happened to them, they're speaking up for all of the women behind them. And so I just think it's so important that we don't lose faith, don't lose courage. We absolutely think that BYU is going to look into their policies a little bit deeper and try and figure out what the root causes here and change that. But until that happens, there are so many people on the outside who are waiting with open arms. It's been overwhelming and just like so heartwarming to see even other female students who will comment on these posts saying, DM me. Like, if this is your story, message me. I will take you out to lunch. I want to talk to you. I'm here for you. If you ever need anyone, send me a message to this Instagram. And I just want them to know that there really are people out there who care so much and love them and want them to be on campus with them. So in prepping for this episode, I was talking to a friend and she is now divorced. Her ex-husband went to BYU-Idaho and he was actually kicked out of BYU-Idaho because he had sex when he was there and it did not stop his behavior. Okay. So then he sexually coerced her. They ended up having sex before they were married, which she felt terrible about. She did not realize that she had been sexually coerced. She thought she had agreed to it because she didn't understand the sexual dynamic and the abuse dynamic that she was in. Then when she finally set a boundary of separation and then finally filed for divorce, even that did not stop his behavior. I say that because I asked her, you know, are you glad that he got kicked out of BYU-Idaho for having sex with other women? Not her, because she didn't know him at the time, but I thought it was really interesting. She said, no, because it didn't help him at all. And I said, well, would you have rather that he just got away with it? And she said, well, no, because I wish that something would have helped him, right? Either the wake-up call that you're getting kicked out of BYU Or the wake-up call that your wife is separating from you. Or the wake-up call that your wife is divorcing you because of your behavior. Even now he's been divorced, he's lost his wife, he's lost his child, and he's still continuing in his abusive behaviors. That's one thing that I want to hear your thoughts on, is that the Honor Code office should be designed to hold perpetrators of serious infractions. And when I say serious, I mean infractions that are really harming other people accountable, and then also help victims. And in this case, in so many cases, the way that it's happening did not help him, but I don't think it's their fault. So I'm not trying to blame it on BYU. What I told my friend was he had an opportunity for change, right? The crap had hit the fan. He had an opportunity to say, whoa, I'm getting kicked out. I need to change my behavior. He didn't take it. Then he got married 
And he had another opportunity to say, whoa, I need to repent and change my behavior. He didn't take that one either. Then he got divorced. He still has not taken the opportunity to do that. Part of me is thinking if people can see when they are held accountable for their behaviors, if they can see this is an opportunity for me to grow, that's one thing. The problem is I see that in, at least in your case, from what you've described to me, and by the way, for our listeners, she has told me the details of what happened with her getting called in. There's nothing about your story that is a serious safety issue right? For you or for other people. And so like in that case, holding you accountable is literally just nitpicking at you for no reason. I just thought it was interesting to have a conversation with her and saying, well, you know, it didn't help him. He was held accountable, but he didn't take the opportunity to change. Yeah. And I think that it's important to like, especially when you're in college, they're very formative years. You just left home for the first time and you're being held accountable for a lot of things in a lot of different ways. And I think that the honor code office could have big play in that in a positive way, I guess is what I'm saying. I think that it's pretty scary that you go into that office and they're not holding students accountable in the right way. They're not going about repentance in the right way. Not to say that what happened with this friend was BYU's fault, but I think that BYU is in this unique position and the honor code office could be in a unique position too where they are tied in with the school. They're tied in with the church. They are housing these students for some of the most formative years of their life. And they really are in a unique opportunity to teach students how the repentance process works and what consequences look like and hold you accountable while also still showing you the right path to go down. And I think that they really mess that up. And it's unfortunate because these students are leaving home. And for a lot of them, the first time they've ever really done anything wrong is in college, all of this freedom, and they need to be held accountable, but I think in a safe way and in a way that goes in line with what the church teaches. And so I think while it could be a really positive force for light, BYU's mission is enter to learn, go forth to serve. And I feel like so many parts of BYU do that really well, but one of the most important, the honor code office, is really messing that up. We say that throughout the leadership. I believe that the church policies, at least about abuse, for example, are really solid. They don't want to tolerate abuse. But the way that it's interpreted by each individual or implemented is not consistent, first of all. And then secondly, so many people say, well, I don't believe you. A bishop would never do that. And we're saying they did. They did do that. And it happens all the time. And it's very common. And it's very harmful to victims. I think this discussion's really important. As somebody said to me recently, I would have more respect for you if you didn't disparage bishops. <laughs> and I wanted to say, I don't want to disparage bishops in any way. We want to educate people about what is happening so that we can make a positive change, so that we can keep victims safe, so we can hold perpetrators accountable. And the reason why we want to hold perpetrators accountable is because we love them and we want to help them change. It would have been the most amazing story in the world if my friend's ex-husband would have said, the honor code office held me accountable and realized that my behaviors were harmful and I changed. And I'm so grateful for that experience because it gave me the opportunity to be a safe person for my wife and child, right? That would have been the best case scenario that could have come out of that story. And instead you got five years later, you have a divorce on your hands. Any other final thoughts? 
I think that I'm always trying to end conversations with, look, we love the church and we love the school. We don't want to leave. These students know what they signed and they want to be held to what they signed. So we're not here to fight the standards that are on campus. We're not here to fight the standards that the church upholds. We really are just looking for protection for our students within that honor code office. I just want to make it clear how much we do love our school and we do love the church, but the office, something has to change. I love talking with you because I feel like we're kindred spirits. I I have a testimony of the church. I love it dearly. And my goal, it would be to raise everyone to a higher standard of righteousness and peace rather than creating more chaos and more harm. So thank you, friend, for coming on. I'm so grateful for you sharing your story and grateful for anyone who is willing to have an ongoing layered conversation about these topics. They're really important. Someone said to me, well, she already has so many followers. Why would you put her on the podcast? (laughs) And I said, well, it's not like we just talk about this issue once and then it goes away, right? It has to be an ongoing layered conversation in order to make meaningful change. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was so good to talk with you. I would love to meet you one day. I really have enjoyed our conversations. Again, we'd love to hear your comments about this issue. Go to our site, btr.org, click on education, find the section that says podcast with transcriptions and comment. We want to hear your thoughts about this issue. Those of you from different religions or have had different experiences, I'd love to hear your stories about how some element of your church or your college has put victims in more danger. If you are looking for support, please go to our website, btr.org, our betrayal trauma professionals. Understand your situation immediately. So many women, they go to clergy or they go to a therapist or they go somewhere and you spend one to two to seven sessions trying to explain what is happening. And because the therapist or clergy doesn't understand it, they can't help you. You end up just being in this vortex of confusion. We can help you immediately. You won't have to explain what's going on. In fact, we can help you understand what's happening to you. So please go to our website, btr.org. Check out our daily group sessions and our individual sessions. If you don't know where to start on the individual sessions page, there are several topics that you can view to see if any of those topics apply to you. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please go to our website and set a recurring monthly donation. Your donation helps me take this message of peace and also educate women about abuse all over the world. So go to btr.org, scroll to the bottom and set your recurring monthly donation today. Those of you who have rated this podcast on iTunes or other podcasting apps, thank you so much. Each of your ratings helps women who are isolated find us. Until next week, stay safe out there.